Today I have two special guests, Dina Buno and Jimmy Clare. Dina is an autism speaker and shares a story about overcoming trauma as an autistic person. Dina was in a documentary about her life and it won a grand jury prize on the Sundance Film Festival. Jimmy shares his life on the autism spectrum and becoming a motivational speaker, author, and the founder of Crazy Fitness Guy. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Dina Buno and Jimmy Clare. So you have your own podcast? Yeah. Or, oh, you do? Yeah, I got a podcast and a live stream. What's your podcast about? Yeah, it's just a uh, monthly podcast that, that promotes healthy living through autistic eyes. Okay. And uh, I'm slightly autistic. And Dina's also slightly autistic. Mm -hmm. And um, we actually two partners. Oh, there she is. So glad you were able to join us, because. Uh, well, um, yeah, you know what? I've done voiceovers too. It said you're a voiceover artist. Yes, ma'am. How long have you been doing voiceovering? Well, um, I started about. I had my dream come true probably since two thirteen, but I actually went to school for acting, and so there were a few places. You know, you went behind. So, like, I made a film, and then, like, I got to do my dream come true a few times by doing some voiceovers. Um, wow, congratulations. So, what yeah. Did you, what did you do? I'm sorry. I know this is like Jimmy set this up, but. Oh, no, it's okay. Um, um, I like to do it because, you know, even if it doesn't make a whole lot of money, I got the opportunity because I always voice things. I did voices forever, like. Not professionally, but I just enjoy doing it. And so I got the chance of a lifetime when I went out to L.A. And some of them were in Philadelphia and I got to have headphones on. So it was fun. That sounds exciting. Oh, my gosh. You, you've you gone beyond what I've ever. I'm finding out a lot of people are struggling with this. So that's one of the reasons why I like the dramatic arts, because I could pretend. And that's what it's like. Mm -hmm. So. I did it all from the heart. So kudos to you, Dina. It's not so much getting paid for it. At first I was a perfectionist. I did it well, but then I just said, well, I enjoy it. I like it. It's not the money. And I had fun. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that too. When I got into the industry, it's, it's not a lot of money, especially when you're not a big name in lights kind of yeah, a scenario. Well, you know what? When you believe that everything has to be for money, it took off because I do a lot of things with acting and it's not what you think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and so um, people ask me to borrow money and all these derogatory things. And I'm like, I'm not a rich person. I still live in the same apartment for 17 years. And, you know, I struggle, um, but I had fun. And that was the most important thing. That's the best thing. Absolutely. Some of the questions that I had sent over, um, we can go ahead and get those started. So. I know that you identify that you are a motivational speaker and you've actually created, you are the founder of Crazy Fitness Guy. So as well as you are an autism advocate, can you tell me how that all got started? What was your journey? How did you begin your journey? So I, I began my journey like the beginning of uh, 2020 and the pandemic started to form. I've started hearing about it. And I was getting nervous because how do I get my name out there? Because uh, 
I'm just Joe Blow off the street. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's like, well, what could I possibly do? Uh, so I started my motivational speaking career roughly at the beginning of uh, 2020. And I knew when it was a crazy fitness guy's third uh, year up and running, I knew I needed, I want to do something spontaneous, different. And sometimes throughout the years, I like to do something, add something new. Maybe it's a new product or whatever I'm doing might be. Uh, and so I was like, you know, let's do a podcast. And, uh, and like, I remember my first podcast interview that say second, third podcast interview I ever, I ever did. I was thinking, well, when somebody showed me the uh, podcast, uh, somebody emailed me their uh, the clip and everything. It was as made by Anchor. I was like, what is Anchor? And I just uh, Googled it, did some research and whatnot. I was like, wait, I could start a podcast? Wow. <laughs> and I felt like that they were just giving me the, op the tools to do it. And like, it wasn't even promotional or whatnot. It was just, is emailed to me. and like, mm -hmm. you know, I, I kind of have to start now. Yeah, <laughs> and it's like, sure. I'm being handed on a silver platter. Hey, you know <laughs> what? Just, you got to do this uh, whole, uh, start this podcast now. So I, I did. And it's been up and running for a year. And uh, my website came first, crazyfitnessguy.com. Uh became first before the podcast so it's been up and running my brand has been up and running for four years oh, wow. and even though i would love to say that's been the best four years and there's no problems i'd be lying through my teeth <laughs> true <laughs> i think everybody goes through that the honeymoon stage with any business <laughs> Yeah, it's like uh, people on Instagram is like, oh, yeah, you know, and it's like you have everything perfect. And it's like, you know how long it got me to, mm -hmm. to everything to be perfect, to be exact? Uh, I'm just starting to get that into year four, not <laughs> year one, two, not three. Uh, yes, fourth time is the charm. The, yes. In this case, uh, it took me nine times to even get the website oh. up and running. So nine times the charm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, I think I think that uh, three times a charm is completely overrated. <laughs> That's <Right>. for sure. <laughs> definitely not in my book. Yeah, definitely not in mine. <laughs> so, in in Dina, you have you've also created something that's called the Autism Speaker, right? And so, what brought you about this mission, and how did this become your journey? Well, um. I've actually been a public speaker for 25 years or more. Um, I guess I was diagnosed with autism and having a lot of controversies about it because, you know, I am 54 now. I just turned 54 in like three months ago. So, you know, I'm what you would call a late bloomer. Um, mm -hmm. When I was growing up, although I had a warrior mom who really took so having children is like serious, you know, like being the middle child, which was also kind of like hard because I wasn't the oldest and I wasn't the youngest. And my mother spoke in public starting when I went to overnight camp and uh, 
spoke in public and I would travel around and thinking it was boring and all I could think of was that chocolate shake or that lunch after um, <laughs> after his reward. And then I was going to college, but I came home on a little break and felt very depressed. And my mom spoke out amongst a bunch of moms and her public speaking journey was already going on about 20 years. And uh, she said, uh, so I went with her one time and I was like, yeah, I can relate to that. And everyone said, well, you have an advocate on your hands. And I began my journey in college going to speak about my third diagnosis of autism. You know, I was like three years old for the first time. And I already had learning disabilities, but I began my speaking journey and it was about um, 2.13. Um, somebody came to me and um, that was 2.10 actually. Well, I unfortunately went through a lot of trauma mm-hmm. in my life. Um, my life was a combination of good and not so good. Mm-hmm. And when I was 42, I was, you know, my husband, my first husband, John, had passed away from cancer. And I went through so much tragedy. I had moved uh, in 2006 and people were coming to me. And then unfortunately, I had a boyfriend, they call it domestic violence, but he attacked me. And I was attacked 30 times with a knife over 90% of my body. And people came to me and asked me to speak on domestic violence and my autism and how I came through it and I said, for one, a lot of therapy and realizing that other people go through it, mm-hmm. even though I had my bad days, it wasn't clear cut. And so um, I always felt misunderstood. And for some reason, in 210, I had a revelation when um, I just realized how lucky I was that I escaped death mm-hmm. and that my first husband taught me a lot of lessons that there was a lot of positive motivational information out there that when you think good thoughts and you retrain the brain that you could probably all be a motivational speaker in your own journey. And so I retrained my brain before that guy had attacked me. I kept wondering why I was surviving and God had a plan for me. And so then I saw my mom. So it was in my blood, I guess, that, you know, I started my journey. And then, you know, I made a film mm-hmm. um, called Dina. And yeah. I made a documentary because my very special advocate, again, I was, had a lot of mentors and advocates. And um, the guy, Dan Sickles, he was an advocate, although I babysat for him. My first career was teaching. So that's a motivation right there. So I was teaching children who had special needs. And after that happened and I was attacked and I had things knocking me down, this journey kept picking up and picking up. I was brought to my attention. I want to make a movie about special needs. And again, at the same time, when we're trying to honor his father's legacy, he said, boy, you stand out. Did you ever do any acting? Of course, you know. So all that came about my speaking and all the things I went for degrees in college. That, that's what happened, you know? Yeah. And wow. during the pandemic, Jimmy and I started working together. What was it about over a year now, Jimmy? Feels like an eternity. 
Well, yeah. Because um, of the pandemic. So mm-hmm. what happened was an an advocate for special needs named Cynthia Worth. We cannot forget her. She kind of Ed Sickles had died two days shy of his 60th birthday. He was my mentor. And his partner, Darlene, runs the action club. And Cynthia taught my friend Danielle. And she brought Jimmy to me. And what happened was, like, I was really happy because a friend of mine named Adam, who had a lot of traumas, who came out on top, he developed a business. And unfortunately, the pandemic, it's teaching us that we have to be patient, Mm -hmm. that we both have our own journeys, you know, but my goal is to bring Jimmy with me and like actually print up business cards and like, because um, I'm an advocate. So I want us to form like a business, not so much go on our own journey, but it's not about money. I mean, it helps if you have it, but a lot of my business ventures have turned into money not a lot but i'm doing okay but most of all it's in the heart Mm -hmm. that's very very true thank you so much for sharing that dina yeah that is awesome and i'm so sorry about your your late husband and the oh yeah i'm married now Um, oh congratulations muscle tough thank you yeah it's about um it's six and a half years i lost my first husband and his dying wish for me was to meet another person mm-hmm. and to go through life not alone anymore. But, you know, I was like, okay, well, you know, if I just have to get by having crushes on people or dating, but it seemed so uncomfortable to do that. You know, I got out again several times and I met my match in 2012. Um, oh, Mazel and. Um, you just from listening to your story, you are such a strong, resilient woman. And it's it's an honor to even speak with you, Dina, because I mean, you. if your life was uh, snuffed prematurely, I would have never met such a wonderful woman like yourself here now. So thank you so much yeah. for sharing your story. I, t- I have to tell you, though, um, there are many times when I have my days. I mean, mm-hmm. considering that I have severe PTSD to go along with this. And every day, it's when people used to tell me one day at a time when I was in my 20s, that was the hardest thing, or even as a teenager. And now I really know what it's like to take one minute at a time because that's all I can do, but it's made better because the average person, you know, I mean, Jimmy and I are different but that's we think differently to a certain point because I realized a lot of similarities came about which makes us special because the other day Jimmy said something like I apologize for this and I said you know what you sound exactly like me that I hope that we can stay this way but still have our differences because that's what makes us a good partnership is he understands technically I mean It's hard because sometimes I lose patience with myself and say, why am I feeling this way today? Like, why do these sirens have to go off? You know, because it's torture for my ears as a person that makes my life, you know, but I am resilient because I struggle every day with um, the simplest uh, little, not the simplest, but um, 
you know, when I'm walking down the street, if a siren goes off and I'm not having a good day, it could disrupt it. But I just keep on plugging away. I always did, you know. Yeah, um, absolutely. Now, and Jimmy, because I, I wanted to also ask you, you know, tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what was important to you back then. So back then I was uh, I grew up in uh, New Jersey. I was born in New Jersey, but technically I grew up in Pennsylvania because I've been there the longest in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk to you about maybe growing up in New Jersey. I mean, Pennsylvania, because I know quite a bit of New Jersey, but I was there for like maybe five years where I've been in Pennsylvania for 19. Good Lord. I I really got to move somewhere, move out of state or something. Uh, so, but when growing up in Pennsylvania, uh, I was diagnosed with autism when I was the, either third or fourth grade. Uh, and people, I, I remember, I don't, have you ever seen the show The Sopranos? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember being in this office that had similar kind of walls around uh, in the office I was being diagnosed in. Mm. And uh, and I think I was just playing with my toys and whatnot, and I had to do different uh, stuff for this person. As I and the only good part about being diagnosed at that time, it, it got me out of school, which I absolutely hated. Uh, <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, so I'm get to go to this person so I can get the hell out of school? Okay, sure, I go. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't have a choice anyway, but I was like, mm. well school or this place i'll go here uh, <laughs> anywhere but school mm-hmm. and so so this person uh asked me so many different questions doing so many different tests the one thing i, I did not like about her or, or i mean just about any person who diagnosed me or gave me diagnoses of many stuff they talked like i wasn't even there mm-hmm. and i'm like Hi, I'm right here. You might have missed me. You were talking to me before, but like, okay, just talk to my parents. Tell Mm. me nothing. Okay. Mm. And uh, I don't think I've ever heard them uh, say that I was autistic. But then, um, and I was bullied from like elementary school all the way up to uh, high school for Mm. many different I don't even know what the reasons were. People are, kids are just cruel. Mm-hmm. And like, I was also kind of heavy for my age group because uh, I ate a lot of junk food and I didn't really care. I, I, uh, I mean, I didn't even know what eating healthy was back then. So, mm-hmm. so we, uh, I mean, one of the things uh, that happened to me, uh, I lost 30 pounds with P90X. Which is, I mean, from Beachbody. And once I lost that weight, I stood up to the bullies. But the reason I'm telling you this is because, like, I didn't really know I was autistic and until high school when I was going to my own IEP meetings. And even then in the meetings, uh, people were talking around me and it's like, no, this would be better for Jimmy. No, this would be better for Jimmy. I'm sitting at the head of the table, like, I'm like, Jimmy's right here, and Jimmy thinks you're all stupid around the table talking around me. Uh, 
And of course, I, I was warned not to speak in my IEP meeting because I bluntly state stuff out. And I was like, people were just kind of just rudish. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, some of these people are old timers and you got to be careful what you say. Yeah. yeah, make worry about what they have to say. Right. You, know what, you know, it's really crazy as an autism advocate for the Autism Society. And that's one of my jobs. They're letting advocates now, doctors who have a lot of degrees. And everybody thinks that the doctors with all the degrees, the PhDs and stuff, know more. Um, a lot of times the teachers have to keep an IEP just like a therapist has to keep the records because the government comes out and that's the reason why they have them, you know, plus to make it easier. So the whole idea was the advocates, you know, it's better now. Um, It's not as good as it should be, but I can make it better. Mm -hmm. So That's the whole thing that you want to make it better, but we all have to watch because if somebody came out technically and said, I have to make it better, they have these trainings nonstop. And I used to wonder, why do we have training after training? And it's because they train us. And I no longer ask that because we go into these trainings. They teach us what to say, what not to say as mm-hmm. a job. So you go through, it's just like going through a training for hotlines mm-hmm. for people who were depressed. Unfortunately, um, Sometimes people who have severe depression and they get on these hotlines to talk, they expect people to be like therapists. And so the the key word is compassion, empathy, and mutual. And those are words discussing what to say, because if you give the wrong bit of information and be blunt, they don't like it. So like IEPs are nothing more than keeping records. So when I was a kid with IEPs, they did it for records and teachers a lot of times were not able to like say bad things. Unfortunately they did. But so I learned that an IEP today is more valuable because like parents today are saying to their kids, don't worry if the teacher believes that you're like this that's not who you are because a lot of teachers, a lot of parents come back, the the ones that are good, they speak from the heart and it's true. A teacher could say, well, this child is only going to move this far. And that's that happened too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the whole idea is I'm just telling you that IEPs are only good for a certain time. And then you set on to the next goal. I'm just explaining that, you know, um, I learned this in a training. Um, I was first I was going for special education and then it got long winded. So there's no guarantee for a perfect life. It's like, you know, the guideline. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, my son, I had to go through many years. I think maybe about half of his life I was ins and outs of meetings and dealing with his IEP, the 504, his diagnosis, the actual evaluation plan talking with his occupational therapist, behavioral therapist. I had to pay out of pocket for that. They didn't have that in the school system. So, I mean, I've gone through that and I was just like, you know, he has sensory processing disorder, which is falls on the autistic spectrum. 
called the umbrella. Yeah, the umbrella. Um, okay, I apologize. Under the umbrella. You don't have to. Uh, um, you don't have to. I'm just saying. I learned it falls on the spectrum. It's just the word. It's it's the same thing as umbrella. So falling oh. on the spectrum is perfect. Like I went through all these training classes, got an autism certification. Nice. Two years ago, I'm continuing on with mental health because that ties in. Yeah. So I like was going to go for social work. Um, you know, I chose acting because it was fun. That's what I wanted. But the idea is that you have a son and it's all about the school of hard knocks. These teachers don't know what it's like to parent uh, a kid all the time with autism. Mm-hmm. Some do, but the whole idea is um, my mom had to pay for the final autism diagnosis. And the reason was, you know why? Because I was 20 years old and starting to age out. And we went to a local autism center. And mm-hmm. my brother was in graduate school. Oh, wow. And he was studying to be a psychologist. And he said, Mom, you got to take a look at this. There's some breakthroughs in the test. And like, so I sat there all day and a lot of it was true. But in order to get a full blown diagnosis, a lot of times you can't use certain words. You can't use like, like when I was diagnosed with PDD and OS, that was on the spectrum, but it was on the autism spectrum and PDD and OS, none otherwise specified. That's very much what I had, except if you say That's autism. That's what they told me too. Yeah. Well, what happens if the, if they say autism? Then back in my day, you could end up in a hospital because, like, they it was so dangerous, and people went for years. I mean, but I'm lucky I had something because they said learning issues. So my comprehension was I could read really well and understand it but comprehension as far as like um words that i knew how to spell were not like comprehended mm-hmm. so like, it's kind of like when you have you're a good reader in order to get the right but you know what's really all that hard work you know see i was the special school generation i was lucky because fifth grade i was in regular school sixth grade up until fifth grade i was in special ed I worked my own, you know, of course, excuse my French, I worked my butt off um, mm-hmm. in school to get to where I was. Everything was a milestone, whereas, um, you know, today, special schools cost more money. We mm-hmm. actually got government funding for expensive places. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole deal there. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of really crazy that. It's almost the same thing with the autism world versus the regular world that sometimes I'm real on target what I say, but if I'm having a panic attack and someone's like not understanding me, I start to freeze up. I start to hyperventilate and it's gotten way worse since the pandemic. I feel like um, that I'm caught between two worlds of I, it took me a while to learn to like trust Jimmy and it wasn't because he wasn't trustworthy. He was He's a lovely person, but, um, you know, like there are certain people I get attached to and it's very hard. I'm learning that we're all human mm-hmm. and say, hey, look, I don't feel like I want to be around anybody or or I don't like uh, people now. I just like my cat. You know, <laughs> That's how um, I feel sometimes. <laughs> yeah, well, I know, have those days. Yeah. 
a couple of days ago, well, I think it was like this week I was crying, like, because I was having a panic attack thinking, oh, my God, I have to get off the computer because it seemed far and whereas like Jimmy's like really good at it. And, you know, I'm proud of him for doing that. But when I was growing up, we didn't have this stuff. Um, I was trained in special needs uh, computers when it first started coming out. So there you go. So it's like autism, like people thought it was behavior mm-hmm. issues. So when I was in regular classes, I'm lucky that the people in the regular world just like me. But when I was around the special needs world, the teacher who taught special ed thought I was calling attention to myself in like sixth grade because I moved out to like the regular world and they knew I was coming from a special school. So one teacher said, you know what? Dean is used to getting off easy. Mm -hmm. And um, not that special ed is bad, but we're in a safe, protected world. And sometimes we need to do that. So like when I was forced into a regular school because, you know, my mom said, you know what? If we keep her in special school, you know, such and such is going to like, it's going to hinder me. That was their thought. So like, we're all forced between different worlds Mm -hmm. and the autism world and the regular world aren't always so kind because people still call it a condition because they don't really know, you know, that it's a neurological thing. I guess it is a condition, but when we start using the word condition, Mm -hmm. then everybody, you know, I know for a fact that sometimes I think people think it's a disease. Oh yeah, yeah, that too. I will tell you this though, mental, mental illness is a disease, but the world looks at it differently that thousands of brilliant people have mental illness. They just don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then the other half, they talk about it. And I know for a fact that I caught myself saying, well, I do this because like I have anxiety and the movie people gave me a crash course because the whole idea is most people really thought I was amazing to let people in my world. But like there was a scene one time I was upset because like I spilled coffee. And so when the camera stopped rolling, like there was more scenes than that that are more controversial. But like I caught myself saying, well, you know, I'm autistic and if a mug breaks, it's because I did it and I deserve this. Mm. And it's this black and white thinking. So mm-hmm. we're taught that we're not normal and we are. It's just that our brains are kind of like wired in a different way. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely wired. And that's one well, of the things. Yeah. I'm sorry, Jimmy. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, did I interrupt sorry. you? No, I was going to just say. I was like, you know, I had teachers and uh, and other people who told me I was not going to be able to amount to anything in my life. Mm-hmm. They That's told horrible. me I was gonna only going to be able to read higher than a second grade, only read it to a second grade level. Mm-hmm. I would love to meet those people again because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, <laughs> guess what? I'm in college. So, yeah. So there you go. You can tell them to sit on it and spin pretty much right <laughs> yeah. I, I, I would love to see one day that they're just like googling jimmy claire is like holy freaking crap it's like yeah. he's everywhere and like wow mm-hmm. like oh but man you feel bad about that one thing i learned from having a husband also on the spectrum you know um was that 
don't prove anything to anybody because you're going to keep wanting to do this. I mean, you want to prove it to people, but the only one you need to prove it to is yourself because like I freed my brain up from saying, I wish they can see me now. I mean, yeah, I still think that from time to time, but like what happens is that when you go to do it for somebody else, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to prove it to yourself. There's an old saying, you know, about prove them wrong, but it's better to say, oh, but you proved them wrong, didn't you? Well, good for you, you know? Yeah, they're not losing sleep over what they've said or done to you. So don't waste your breath on that. Just keep moving forward and be you, you know, you do you. Absolutely. Oh, Jimmy, I had a question, sir. When you have a moment in your life that you are overwhelmed or overstimulated, how do you bounce back or reset? Well, it kind of depends on what the situation is. If I'm overstimulated by too much information, like um, I'm going to use a Google search as an example. And I'm going to use yesterday as an example. Yesterday, I had I have a podcast player on my website and for each show notes that I do for my website. And one of the things that it tell uh, it was it was not catching the latest episode that just came out. And I'm like, okay, if all the other episodes work, why is this not working? I try on the publishing the episode to republish it, still doesn't work. And I'm like, okay, I'm getting frustrated. I'm getting annoyed. I wasted two hours. Mm-hmm. Googling different products, different services. Couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. And I was like, I'm overwhelmed. What if this tool does not work again? Or what if it never works ever again? Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do I do now? And it got me thinking. And like, I see these other products. And like, some of them had like different page view limits a, a month. It's like, you only get 10,000. It's like, yeah, and what if I was Amazon? And I get one million in a in a day, um, and uh, the only other higher plan was a hundred thousand. It was like, yeah, gee. Um, yeah. And again, I'm I'm not saying I'm not getting ten thousand page views in a a day or a month, but I'm just like I'm kind of like thinking long term. It's like okay, okay, if I'm in this long term. I, I'm kind of screwed if I uh, if, if I get that many, and then I was like, okay, so what? Two people can uh, ten thousand a day can see a month can see it, and then disappears, or hmm. I don't know. So I didn't like the feeling in my system, so I decided, and so I started shutting down and whatnot. And I was like, come on, Jimmy, push forward. And I was like, what can I do? And so I decided, you know, I'm going to email this company that I've been using for years, and if, at least for a year, um, and and see if if they have any suggestions or even get back to me because some of my other questions I asked and they didn't get back to me, mm-hmm. and and not like I'm uh, I was angry for them at that, but I was like. Maybe they don't cater for the free people, or I mean, like they don't get support to free users. So I was like, okay, let me. So I decided to try that, and then like I wish I wish I did it sooner because after I wrote them, like maybe thirty minutes later, it started working, and like, 
really now it starts working and it's like really did you guys have to, like this tool had to break down does it cause me the aggravation come on this is ridiculous so basically what happens to me i shut down i get overwhelmed because i started thinking all these different thoughts in my head and say well okay if this company goes down where do i go next i don't have an answer mm, yeah i've had an issue with um something like that and it took me two months and they still said we can't help you and i'm like yeah i i get it because it's like do you only work with people who actually pay for membership or subscription and you just kind of like put everybody else to the wayside if they're non-paying like it's not cool but um so how are you able to reset or do you do some type of meditation do you do uh, your workout or fitness because i know based on your crazy fitness guy mantra there uh, you have like on your website so basically at the on my very good day i'm able to turn the day around but when it's too far gone if something happened late in the afternoon like three o'clock it's hard for me to get back on track and and if i didn't do anything from morning to afternoon i'm like it's too far and gone for me to recapture the day and some but there's other days where I was like, okay, I might have raised a few hours in the morning, but then I was able to pull myself together. There are other days where, okay, I wasted 30 minutes, but then I was like, okay, can I get back on track? And it's like, complaining is not going to help anything of this through. Uh, but I do have my days where it's really, really good at turning around. And there's other days where I mope and complain about it because... I don't know what else to do. And and I know that I have stuff to do on my to-do list, but then I was like, I don't want to do it now. Yeah, yeah. I've I've felt like that many, many times, but that's just a whole different scenario where I'm overwhelmed with three kids, single mom, four jobs, and a dog and a cat. So that's my life in a in a bunch. So that's very overwhelming for me. And even like, I love that the information, you have a variety of it on your website, and you do talk about fitness and lifestyle and nutrition, managing stress, self-help, as well as autism. So um, how can the listeners contact you and learn more about you specifically? If they want to learn more about me, you can go to crazyfitnessguy.com and uh, you can follow Crazy Fitness Guy pretty much everywhere between me and crazy fitness guys like a hundred plus profiles and <laughs> uh, and what you see on the front end of the website that's not even half of it that's a sad part yeah 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 absolutely i mean you have a wound of information that i think all the listeners would enjoy going to your website and finding more it's uh, been interesting because i was reading some of the articles that you have like specifically like um regards to autism in college like some of the struggles that you have to deal with. And, you know, one of the things I was thinking about as time went on, as my son gets older, right now he's only nine years old. But the thought of having, um, like, colleges be accommodating and aware of, um, you know, the autistic community, you know, the the umbrella of the autism and that it's imperative that they have the uh, option and the ability to, strive if they're wanting to go to college and have the accommodations towards that so yeah so it's a good read if if the listeners are listening now i strongly suggest y'all to go to crazy fitness guys and you know 
see what he's got all in there. And it's uh, it's amazing. Thank you so much. And I appreciate it, Jimmy, for you being a guest on my podcast. And I wanted to do in closing, because I know that Dina, <laughs> you, like you mentioned in the beginning, you are like a film celeb. Because I was looking at your documentary movie called Dina. And uh, it's, it's like you said, it follows your life in everyday scenarios as a person with autism. And and I love how you made and created this documentary. Now, um, how can a listeners, if they're wanting to know or see your documentary film, where would this be located if they wanted to watch this? One of the places that you on demand, Hulu, Amazon, um, and stream Amazon Prime. I found myself on more cable channels like Sundance. You know, really honored that, that they wanted me to be a subject because I never really found my story just fascinating. But then as time went on, um, see, I'm a little, I've done acting, you know, like off-Broadway and things like that and um, a lot of school plays and things. So, like, I had a chance. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people were, like, didn't always know because I kept a lot of private for fear of criticism. But, um, you know, which was very hard because people were telling me, like, that I shouldn't really do this stuff because I'm exposing myself. So I was very gracious, you know, from going through a lot of therapy to follow my dreams. That's why for my own, I guess, like, for example, no subject is too hard for me to handle. I've seen it all. I've been friends with almost everybody from race, color, creed. Being special needs was really no big deal to me. I lived in two worlds, the special needs world and then forced into the regular world when they told me that um, when I was interviewed and when I was told um, that I stood out above the rest. Well, I'm like, I've always liked to perform and be the star of everything. I don't mm -hmm. know why I like to be the center of attention when I was a kid. So like being on the camera was just pure therapeutic. I like missed the camera when I was when it was gone. You know, there was this other thing that I was too darn picky with myself here. I was in a documentary, so that means some of it is an acting career in itself when it's their time and their money and these big wigs above you that tell you we have to get the scene done. Um, also, you know, I sat down with my husband and I calmed him down because like at first he was like, well, I'll do it for you. And then he kind of enjoyed it, but he was happy to see the cameras go because they were on us all the time. But I kind of missed it. And so I told myself that I was going to make it work so like I mean I know like that you do voiceovers and that's my dream if you know of anybody I would definitely take the train down to New York and and get them done because I enjoy it but I was also like so you were telling me you said oh I'm the big celebrity and what happened what what else yeah I was I was saying you are you are a uh, film celeb here and I was just looking at your documentary the trailer and so forth and now that i know that you are actually on some other websites i do have uh hulu and um you also go to my page which is the dina movie and what i am frustrated about is that i'm a real person in one way and i but then you know acting and cameras it's also kind of pretend but at the same time i kind of mix those things so um, there were times in the film where you see some scenes that are touchy and 
yes, it was really me, but I have a way of really, you know, getting into a role and I can cry at the drop of the hat because like I've been in plays and someone said, how come you're so natural? And I said, well, um, I can be happy one minute. It's not that I'm bipolar. (laughs) I do have anxiety disorder, so that could do it. But I get real emotional. The members who celebrated the Pride Month in June, I attended some rallies throughout the movie. And I, um, I was always interested because I believe meeting people from everywhere. So somebody didn't like some person who was, you know, so religious that they were criticizing me for supporting LBGQ. And that was the same company did a film on LBGQ and trans people. And I've met some of the nicest people who were like drag queens. And it fascinated me that we're all really going through the same. Like when I was growing up and going to college, it was very unheard of. Um, They did have services, but you had to scratch deep where when I went to college, um, community college, and then going to school, you know, and had the dream of going into acting, the world wasn't very kind to gay, transgender, and, you know, that whole movement. The acting world would shun them, so you had to keep it a secret. Um, And I was so tired of it that I developed an anxiety disorder. And so now I let myself be free because it's one less worry, but I've never really cared what people look like. I mean, I've always supported interracial marriage. Um, I think it's beautiful if you find your soulmate and they're a different color than you. I mean, this is going back for generations. Um, You know, when people are narrow-minded and they say to me, well, what are your parents going to say if you're married to an African-American person? Well, who cares? I'm not married to an African-American person, but if I was. So why I'm so different. And that's why I had to say to myself, when I get anxiety, look at me, I, I'm not so bad that I'm not judgmental. I don't have one judgmental bone in my body. Um, I don't care if somebody is a same-sex marriage. I think it's beautiful. Um, the majority of my friends are from all walks of life. Antonio Santini is of Latino descent. and he said, we all have our problems, but I love the tight knit community mm-hmm. that they have. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying, speaking in general, that you said that you were, you grew up speaking two different languages. Um, un, yeah. Understanding different, two different languages. One, unfortunately, um, I was not fluent in, but um, I'm able to read it with a fluent tongue, but I'm not able to comprehend. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I was listening to you and you speak very good English and I really never thought about that. Like, uh, so mm-hmm. like I never really thought because like it's the, it's about changing our thoughts and our perspectives. So this helps me understand that, you know, people who are autistic in general, whose parents don't want to know about it mm-hmm. and they're just autistic and, and they want to, take their children everywhere in America to get diagnosed for their own benefit, but they don't get them the services. This is what I'm saying. It's just like not learning how to speak English or if you're French and you're so afraid of the unknown. And as much as I get anxiety because I am on the spectrum, I am 54 years old. 
And thanks to Jimmy, you know, dealing with me having anxiety um, and then having to do the computer. Um, like I know how to get on, but these little technical terms, that kind of impresses me. Now I'm not so afraid because mm -hmm. I know that he's not going to yell at me. But when I was yelled at for being autistic and yelled at for being different, like, why can't you act better? Because um, she has behavior problems and she's trouble. That would be like when I would flap my hands because when I was a little girl and I was like two years old, by the time I was 13, I was still getting blamed for that. Someone told me in therapy a hard lesson. For one, when you regurgitate information that comes out of your brain because you're autistic, you won't let it go. So your life's going to be a lot better. And then around my 50th birthday, I said, you know, my life is so much freer today than it was like 30 years ago. But I think it's learned experience. So when you let the prejudice go, you know, like I happen to love the LBGQ community, but I get bashed a lot and, and yelled at. It's the same thing. Like people make fun of people with Down syndrome. It's the same thing that um, when I started accepting the label that I was different and, and let go of these things, like I was autistic, like special needs is a nicer way of saying it, but yet people don't know what to say. Like people, I call it neurodiversity because we are diverse, but neurologically there is an impairment, you know, but like, um, it sounds better. Doesn't it? That like, neuro, did you ever hear of neurodiversity? Cause it's a movement. Yeah. Neurodivergent. Neurotypical is us. Mm -hmm. Um, and that means that our brains take in information a different way and it gets scattered around the brain and lands in another. And you know, my mom told me from birth, you know, um, that my brain was set up about wires and like it probably could be set up differently now, but it like landed, you take a piece of paper and you rip it up into many pieces and then it flips around the brain. She told me that my brain was like a television set and that it was wired differently Absolutely. But I'm doing the best I could for for myself. Mm -hmm. And I, from where I'm standing, Dana, you're doing a wonderful job. You guys are awesome. And I and I see you. I see you with or without your autism. Like you said, I like to respect everyone, no matter if you are of creed or of race. And I mean, I wish the world could actually abide those those simple rules of life to be respectful and honest and love each other no matter the circumstances absolutely and dina jimmy it has been an honor i greatly appreciate having you guys here as my guests yeah. you know that did you know that my movie won the sundance film festival grand prize oh no not at all no i that would be great to have that information so i can put that all oh, yeah. in the shows yeah well the interesting thing was uh, Jimmy was going to put that, but we got busy talking about, he was going to, you know, put that, but I was at Sundance Film Festival and my husband and like, we rented a house and we were there for like a week. But the second week when we went home, I got a phone call, like we were there for all these things. And then there was a award ceremony and, you know, we made it to Sundance. So, you know, I didn't know we were going to win the competition, but the thing is these guys won second place at Tribeca. Um, oh, but wow. we're all over the world at touring festivals. I've got to go to some when I got to go to all the 
the movies that they had. It's like sitting and watching. And then I got to speak at a lot of things and be a guest at other people's film festivals. And Wow, congratulations. You know, and it was pretty amazing. Uh, we were at the Next Fest. We were like, we placed there too in California. And we were at the Jewish Film Festival, the Castro Theater. And like, so like, it was interesting. I got to meet wonderful people like um, Gregory Smith from Everwood and from Parenthood, that cast Parenthood. And did you know about Parenthood where the boy had autism? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I got to meet the cast in uh, Dan Sickles. Uh, Danny, uh, Danny went to school. Sarah Ramos played Hattie on Parenthood. Nice. And, like, you know, they surprised me with, like, America Ferrer seeing the film. And um, she had a, fi- a festival out there. And all these good people. Wow. Well, congratulations. Um, Absolutely. That's wonderful. I, yeah, my movie was in London for like two weeks and I was out there. Wow. for a week. You know, the companies pay for these trips. And mm-hmm. so we're all these little mini ones. And the thing that's exhausting is that you travel the world and it's fun, but you're exhausted. And so the pandemic taught my husband and I to like be blessed. Down. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, this has been really amazing, but like at the same time, like I had to get really creative, like with painting and all that, because my career, as far as the editors and, you know, I'm writing and self-publishing because the editors quit because of the strikes. And, you know, we were going virtual um, conferences got slowed down. Yeah. Well, I, I commend you on, the journey you have gotten so far and I it's been wonderful I'm so glad to meet both of y'all Jimmy and Dina it's been a pleasure you have a wonderful speaking with you yes ma'am yes it's been a pleasure speaking with you and I'm glad you exist oh thank you thank you and thanks for having us yes absolutely have a yes have a wonderful weekend okay bye cheers cheers Thank you for listening to Noise Palooza Zion podcast. If you yourself is a small business owner, entrepreneur, musician, or artist, or liked what you heard, please share and follow. I am on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube, or contact me at www.jasminecastillovoice.com and stay tuned for the next upcoming episode.